Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening, and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, Uh, We'll get to this impeachment stuff in a minute. But before we do, you've heard about this judge, Rosemary Collier. And she's the presiding judge with the FISA court. And she's been for several years. And the Hill newspaper reports, this is the headline, Judge blasts FBI over misleading info for surveillance of Trump campaign advisor. The secretive federal court that approved the surveillance of former Trump campaign advisor Carter Page on Tuesday accused FBI agents of creating a misleading impression about their basis for requesting a warrant and ordered the Bureau to overhaul its process. In a blistering order, a judge on the FISA court accused the Bureau of providing false information and withholding materials that would have undercut its four surveillance applications. Funny thing, I said this back in March. 2017. But let's go on. The FBI's handling of the Carter Page applications, as portrayed in the OIG report, was antithetical to the heightened duty of candor described above. Rosemary Collier, presiding judge with the FISA court, wrote in the order released by the court. The judge gave the FBI until January 10 to provide the court a sworn statement detailing how it plans to overhaul its approach to future surveillance applications. And it goes on. She goes on. The frequency with which representations made by FBI personnel turned out to be unsupported or contradicted by information in their possession, and with which they withheld information detrimental to their case, calls into the question whether information contained in the other FBI applications is reliable. Now, I have nothing but... Well, let me be careful about this. I want to admonish this judge. She had an opportunity to act when it mattered. Back on April 20, 2017, the Landmark Legal Foundation, under its president, Pete Hutchison, filed a motion, a secret motion, with this court. And it was a motion informing the judge of the violations that had occurred based on published reports, because it was known back in April 2017, some of it, if not much of it. And those exhibits were provided to the judge. Five days after we filed that, just five days after we filed that, The judge ruled as follows. Order. 
The court has received a pleading titled Motion for Leave to Appear as Amicus Curiae and for en banc order directing investigation submitted by Landmark Legal Foundation on April 20, 2017. Although presented as a request to appear as an Amicus Curiae friend of the court, there is no matter pending before the court with respect to which such an appearance would be proper. Therefore, order denies request. There is no matter pending before the court with respect to which such an appearance would be proper. That was always a disingenuous reply by this judge. And apparently she changed her mind today. Apparently she changed her mind more than two and a half years later and realized, oh, I have jurisdiction. The matter is pending, I suppose. Now, it never made any sense because a judge is free, even after a matter is done, to call parties before them in their courtroom if, in fact, the judge believes wrongs have been committed in the court and against the court. And so Judge Collier did not protect the federal judiciary. She did not protect her own courtroom. She did not protect the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. For more than two and a half years, she allowed these perpetrators to get away with what they did. And she could have brought an end to this. She could have had an evidentiary hearing or a contempt hearing, if you will. And she chose not to. Now she's jumping on the bandwagon after the OIC report. After Robert Ray, who I'm no fan of, I mean, uh, FBI Director Ray, I should say, W-R-A-Y has announced 40 different reforms that he's going to uh, take a look at. After I and others, including Mike Lee, have said, you know, we have to abolish the court. The court failed to do its job, and I suspect it won't do its job. Only now does Judge Collier issue her decision. Only now. Because part of the problem is Judge Collier and any other judge who oversees or is involved as a FISA judge. They don't read these documents. Over a thousand of them were presented to the FISA courts last in uh, 2018, and only one was denied. That's almost a 100% approval record. Now that's absurd. So Judge Collier has some answering to do. And if Congress is serious about getting to the bottom of this, She and others need to be called before Congress in a legitimate oversight function, not to investigate her for criminal reasons, but to find out exactly what she and others did. (coughs) Did they read it? Did they raise any questions? Because the person being targeted or the groups being targeted, they have no presence in these secret courts, none. So more than two and a half years after This judge, in a couple sentences, rejected landmark legal foundations, (coughs) very appropriate, pertinent motion, calling on her to investigate what has taken place and what was taking place, claiming in essence she didn't have jurisdiction anymore since the matter isn't before her anymore. Now she pulls jurisdiction back, claims the matter it must, is in front of her, and orders reforms, and orders this, and the other. The FISA system is broken, 
and in part because the FISA courts are broken. Including what Judge Collier did, Rosemary Collier, the presiding judge under the FISC and the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court System. So I'm not impressed with what she's done here. I'm disturbed that it took her so long. She writes, the FISA court expects the government to provide complete and accurate information in every filing with the court. Without it, the court cannot properly ensure that the government conducts its electronic surveillance for foreign intelligence purposes only when there's a sufficient factual basis. Well, Judge Collier, why did you wait? Why didn't you hold your own hearing in secret? Why didn't you pull the parties in front of you? Why didn't you hold an evidentiary hearing? You were waiting for the office of the inspector general. But you have an independent obligation. You're an independent court. You're an independent body to look into these matters on your own. So it's all swell that you waited for the executive branch and for the office of the independent counsel to do its investigation. But in the meantime, they took a year and a half. The country's plotting along. We have elements within the media and elements within our political system who are denying that violations occurred or ignoring them completely. And you signed off on these applications. You or one of your colleagues. And you oversee this court system. You are responsible for this too. Who's going to hold you to account? And why did you slough off a perfectly legitimate motion that was warning you and inquiring of you and encouraging you to act. And you only act now. There were serious missteps, as the inspector general said. Worse than that, of course. But there were serious missteps by you, Judge Collier, and your colleagues. Because without you and your colleagues, there would have been no warrant, regardless of what the FBI did. And you chose to sit on the sidelines for two and a half years and watch it all play out. You chose to sit on your hands and watch it all play out until you could get cover from the Inspector General's report rather than conduct your own judicial inquiry. That is appalling to me. And this is why when Mike Lee, Senator Lee, was on my program last night, I said... I don't have a whole lot of faith that they're going to be able to reform this system. Not when we have judges like this, who even after the fact take their damn good old time addressing what was obvious over two and a half years ago. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. As we celebrate the Christmas and holiday season, we often pause to consider our many blessings. Hillsdale College thanks you for loyalty as it celebrates 175 years of blessings. Now, since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of Liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive in Primus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses, or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. 
You know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. Now, this independence allows the college to focus on promoting its core principles, learning, character, faith, and freedom without government interference. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the country. Merry Christmas from Hillsdale College. And to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the reason the left loves her is because she's a left-wing politician, former general counsel for the American Criminal Liberties Union, and pretty much a left-wing hack on the Supreme Court who has been idolized and celebrated by, of course, law schools, the media, and the usual cabal. And over at the Business Insider, they have an article titled, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg Hits Back at Trump's Call to Stop Impeachment. Quote, the president is not a lawyer. Why is she hitting back at anything? George Washington wasn't a lawyer either. So what? The president of the United States today wrote a historic letter a comprehensive letter for the record for all of history and all of time to Nancy Pelosi laying out in exquisite detail what a disgrace this entire railroad job is. And I'm going to begin reading it to you and we'll have to go to the break at some point. I'll read it to you after the break as well because I don't believe I can finish it beforehand. But it's worth reading. He writes, Dear Madam Speaker, I write to express my, of course I lose it, immediately lose it, Mr. Producer. Hold on. I write to express my strongest and most powerful protest against the partisan impeachment crusade being pursued by the Democrats in the House of Representatives. This impeachment represents an unprecedented and unconstitutional abuse of power by Democrat lawmakers, unequal to nearly two and a half centuries of American legislative history. The articles of impeachment introduced by the House Judiciary Committee are not recognizable under any standard of constitutional theory, interpretation, and jurisprudence. They include no crimes, no misdemeanors, and no offenses whatsoever. You have cheapened the importance of the very ugly word, impeachment. The articles of impeachment introduced by the House, I already read that, I'm reading off my iPhone. By proceeding with your invalid impeachment, you are violating your oaths of office, you are breaking your allegiance to the Constitution, and you are declaring open war on American democracy. You dare to invoke the Founding Fathers in pursuit of this election nullification scheme, yet your spiteful actions display unfettered contempt for America's founding, and your egregious conduct threatens to destroy that which our founders pledged their very lives to build. Even worse... Worse than offending the Founding Fathers, you are offending Americans of faith by continually saying, I pray for the president. When you know this statement is not true, unless it is meant in a negative sense, it is a terrible thing you are doing, but you will have to live with it, not I. Your first claim, abuse of power, is a completely disingenuous, meritless, and baseless invention of your imagination. You know that I had a totally innocent conversation with the president of Ukraine. 
I then had a second conversation that has been misquoted, mischaracterized, and fraudulently misrepresented. Fortunately, there was a transcript of the conversation taken, and you know from the transcript, which was immediately made available, that the paragraph in question was perfect. I said to President Zelensky, quote, I would like you to do us a favor, though because our country's been through a lot and Ukraine knows a lot about it, unquote. I said do us a favor, not me and our country, not a campaign. I then mentioned the Attorney General of the United States. Every time I talk with a foreign leader, I put America's interests <coughs> America's interest first, just as I did with President Zelensky. You are turning a policy disagreement between two branches of government into an impeachable offense. It is no more legitimate than the executive branch charging members of Congress with crimes for the lawful exercise of legislative power. You know full well that Vice President Biden used his office and $1 billion of U.S. aid to, to coerce Ukraine into firing the prosecutor who was digging into the company paying his son millions of dollars. You know this because Biden bragged about it on a video. Biden openly stated, quote, I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars. I looked at them and I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Well, son of a bitch, he got fired. Even Joe Biden admitted just days ago in an interview with NPR that it looked bad. Now you're trying to impeach me by falsely accusing me of doing what Joe Biden has admitted he actually did. President Zelensky has repeatedly declared that I did nothing wrong and that there was no pressure. He further emphasized it was a good phone call. I don't feel pressure, and I explicitly stress that nobody pushed me. The Ukrainian foreign minister stated very clearly, I've never seen a direct link between investigations and security assistance. He also said there was no pressure. Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, a supporter of Ukraine, who met privately with President Zelensky, has said, at no time during this meeting was there any mention by Zelensky or any Ukrainian that they were feeling pressure to do anything in return for the military aid. Many meetings have been held between representatives of Ukraine and our country. Never once did Ukraine complain about pressure being applied. Not once. This is a very, very powerful historic letter, and I want to complete it when I return. You hear me talk about Hillsdale College a lot, about its rigorous classical liberal arts curriculum, about its exceptionally bright and patriotic students. 175 years ago, Hillsdale College was founded with a mission defined by four enduring purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. While many institutions have lost their way, Hillsdale College maintains an unwavering commitment to learning, character, faith, and freedom. I've also talked about the great Dr. Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College. It's one of the finest Americans I've ever known. And he explains that these four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, remain inseparable in the activity of education at Hillsdale College. He says, learning is difficult and takes more than talent. It takes hard work, which requires character. Freedom is essential for learning, but it is fragile and constantly under threat, so its principles must be studied by all for the sake of its defense. At Hillsdale, faith and learning are integrated toward God because he is the first authority. 
Folks, if you've ever wondered why I love Hillsdale College, now you know. Visit hillsdale.edu. That's hillsdale.edu for more information. Hillsdale College, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. Remember, that's hillsdale.edu, hillsdale.edu. Mark Levin, America's tyranny hunter. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Some people spend their lives talking, which is fine by me. I spend a lot of my life talking. But for me, it's not enough. You have to act. And I don't deserve any credit for that motion. Landmark Legal Foundation filed that. I'm chairman of the board, but it's the president, Pete Hutchison, and his staff that put that together and filed it, and they were right on. And it was appalling that Judge Collier pretended she didn't have any jurisdiction to deal with it because the case effectively was over. And now we know that these courts continue to uh, extend the FISA warrant. And there was an enormous amount of information by April of 2017, and we included it as exhibits, attaching it to our motion. And I don't even know if she read it. She acted so quickly and got rid of it. I, I think that she and that court and others of her colleagues who are on those courts were humiliated. And it exposed an enormous weakness in this process. Does anybody here think they read over 1,000 over 1,000 applications by the FBI in 2018. Anybody? I don't. Because they're judges on another court, too, federal district court. And in addition, Landmark asked the National Security Council, the National Security Agency, the Department of Justice, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the Central Intelligence Administration, among others, all of them to investigate these FISA violations. And not one of them agreed. Not one of them provided us with a positive response. Not one. You know, the great thing about the Little Landmark Legal Foundation is you don't hear a lot about them. They're not flashy. They don't issue a lot of press releases. They have a wonderful website, but they don't... They don't play ball in the marketing area. They just do the hard work. They're what I consider Landmark to be as a liberty guerrilla operation. Whether they're on the radar or off the radar, they are there every day pounding away. <clears throat> and I pointed it out to you a couple of years ago when this judge ruled the way she ruled. And now all of a sudden she found jurisdiction. She found the authority to act. It's really appalling. It, it's, it's quite appalling. I remember when Judge uh, Susan Weber Wright in Arkansas, chief judge of that district, after Bill Clinton was impeached, she ordered a, uh, a contempt hearing. Now, Landmark Legal Foundation, I and Arthur Ferguson, my buddy, the foundation filed what's called a judicial notice. Nobody had really heard of it before. And Clinton's lawyer... Bob Bennett filed a motion saying, hey, they don't have standing. And I filed a counter motion, a reply, and I said, we didn't say we have standing. We don't seek standing. We're giving notice to a federal court that 
Mr. Clinton, as President of the United States, lied to the court and obstructed justice when he lied during the course of that deposition with Paula Jones. And the judge was there, so he lied to the judge and obstructed the judge. In other words, he did damage to the court and that the court needed to defend itself. We never heard from Judge Wright. She didn't rule on Bennett's motion because there was nothing to rule on. We didn't seek standing. And right after the Senate trial of Bill Clinton, right after the Senate trial, (coughs) she issued her opinion. She waited. She shouldn't have waited. She waited because she didn't want to influence the Senate trial. That's what she said. That's not her job. Her job is to rule. And ultimately, because Clinton refused to defend himself, because it would have required him to show up in court and defend himself, and that he certainly didn't want to do, he was held in civil contempt. He should have been held in criminal contempt, but her rationale was, I don't know if he can indict a sitting president, but that's not the point. You can still hold him in criminal contempt. She held him in civil contempt. It was not challenged. The Arkansas Supreme Court disbarred him. And he resigned from the Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court bar, before they could disbar him. That was the Landmark Legal Foundation filing. Again, no glitz, just brass knuckles. And so I'm very, very proud of them, what they're doing over there. I don't operate it day to day anymore. As I say, I'm just a board member, oversee the board not the day-to-day activities. But I point it out because, well, this judge is, well, look what this judge ruled. This judge should have ruled that a couple of years ago. This judge should have had a hearing a couple of years ago. This judge should have gotten to the bottom of what occurred in her court or in the court of the colleagues that she has, which she oversees, not sit around and wait for an inspector general report. What if there was never an inspector general report? What if there had never been an investigation? The one hand, the courts say, hey, look this, we're independent of the other branches. On the other hand, they're sitting around waiting for the office of inspector general and the executive branch. How about taking it upon themselves to look at it? They don't take this court seriously enough. The judges don't. I can assure you that if Judge Collier thought as a federal district judge in Washington, D.C., that some claimant, some party, had fixed the record, and it deceived the court. She wouldn't wait around for the executive branch to tell her what to do. She would immediately take charge of her courtroom. But she didn't hear. And in part, it's because of what I said. Because the judges in this system are not doing their damn jobs. And even with all the blaring abuses that were out there, forget about CNN, MSNBC, and the Democrats. Excuse me. This judge knew what took place or knew enough to know that something bad took place. But there you have it. I want to finish the uh, letter by the president. Do I have an advertisement, Mr. Producer? I think we'll move it to the next segment. The president goes on. In his letter, his historic letter to the so-called Speaker of the House. 
The second claim, remember it's obstruction of justice, is the, uh, Congress is the first. The second claim, so-called obstruction of Congress, is preposterous and dangerous. House Democrats are trying to impeach the duly elected President of the United States for asserting constitutionally based privileges that have been asserted on a bipartisan basis by administrations of both political parties throughout our nation's history. Under that standard, every American president would have been impeached many times over. That is something I've been arguing, isn't it? As liberal law professor Jonathan Turley warned when addressing congressional Democrats, quote, I can't emphasize this enough. If you impeach a president, if you make a high crime and misdemeanor out of going to the courts, it is an abuse of power. It's your abuse of power. You're doing precisely what you're criticizing the president for doing. Unquote. Everyone, you included, he writes to Pelosi, knows what is really happening. Your chosen candidate lost the election in 2016 in an electoral college landslide, 306 to 227. And you and your party have never recovered from this defeat. You have developed a full-fledged case of what many in the media call Trump derangement syndrome. And sadly, you will never get over it. You are unwilling and unable to accept the verdict issued at the ballot box during the great election of 2016. So you've spent three straight years attempting to overturn the will of the American people and nullify their votes. You view democracy as your enemy. Speaker Pelosi, (coughs) you admitted just last week... Ah, Oops. I didn't say the word. So hang on there. I said, shh, everybody, hush. I'm getting there, the damn thing. Speaker Pelosi, you admitted just last week at a public forum that your party's impeachment effort has been going on for two and a half years, long before you ever heard about a phone call with Ukraine, 19 minutes after I took the oath of office. The Washington Post published a story headline, The Campaign to Impeach President Trump Has Begun. Less than three months after my inauguration, Representative Maxine Waters stated, I'm going to fight every day until he's impeached. House Democrats introduced the first impeachment resolution against me within months of my inauguration for what will be regarded as one of our country's best decisions, the firing of James Comey, see Inspector General reports, who the world now knows is one of the dirtiest cops our nation has ever seen. A ranting and raving Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib declared just hours after she was sworn into office, we're going to go in there and we're going to impeach the MF. Representative Al Green said in May, I'm concerned that if we don't impeach the president, he will get reelected. Again, you and your allies said and did all these things long before you ever heard of President Zelensky or anything related to Ukraine. And as you know very well, this impeachment drive has nothing to do with Ukraine or the totally appropriate conversation I had with its new president. It only has to do with your attempt to undo the decision of 2016 and steal the election of 2020. Congressman Adam Schiff cheated and lied all the way up to the present day, even going so far as to fraudulently make up out of thin air my conversation with President Zelensky of Ukraine and read this fantasy language to Congress as though it were said by me. His shameless lies and deceptions, dating all the way back to the Russia hoax, is one of the main reasons we are here today. 
you and your party are desperate to distract from America's extraordinary economy, credible jobs boom, record stock markets, soaring confidence in flourishing citizens. Your party simply cannot compete with our record. Seven million new jobs. The lowest ever unemployment for African Americans, Hispanic Americans, and Asian Americans. A rebuilt military, a completely reformed VA, with choice and accountability for our great veterans. More than 170 new federal judges and two Supreme Court justices. Historic tax and regulation cuts. The elimination of the individual mandate. The first decline in prescription drug prices in half a century. The first new branch of the United States military since 1947, the Space Force. Strong protection of the Second Amendment. Criminal justice reform. A defeated ISIS caliphate and the killing of the world's number one terrorist leader, al-Baghdadi. The replacement of the disastrous NAFTA trade deal with the wonderful USMCA. Well, I'm not so sure about that, but that's all right. Lost my place. A breakthrough phase one trade deal with China. Massive new trade deals with Japan and South Korea. Withdrawal from the terrible Iran nuclear deal. Cancellation of the unfair. And he goes on. I wish I could do it justice. He has a hell of a record. A hell of a record, particularly considering what he's up against. There's nothing I would rather do than stop referring to your party as the do-nothing Democrats. Unfortunately, I don't know that you will ever give me a chance to do so. After three years of unfair and unwarranted investigations, $45 million spent, 18 angry Democrat prosecutors, the entire force of the FBI, headed by leadership now proven to be totally incompetent and corrupt, you have found nothing. Few people in high position could have endured or passed this test. You do not know, nor do you care, the great damage and hurt you have inflicted upon wonderful and loving members of my family. You conducted a fake investigation upon the democratically elected president of the United States, and you're doing it yet again. There are not many people who could have taken the punishment inflicted during this period of time, and yet done so much for the success of America and its citizens. But instead of putting our country first, you've decided to disgrace our country still further. You completely failed with the Mueller report because there was nothing to find. So you decided to take the next hoax that came along, the phone call with Ukraine, even though it was a perfect call. And by the way, when I speak to foreign countries, there are many people with permission listening to the call on both sides of the conversation. And the letter goes on for a couple more paragraphs. I'm going to have to take a break. But it is a fabulous letter. It really is. And it'll be a historic letter. And I'm very, very hopeful the president tomorrow or soon after the Democrats in the House take their vote. And I say the Democrats. This is a Democrat impeachment process, not a House impeachment process. I hope the president will talk to the nation for 10 or 15 minutes. That's my hope. This is a powerful, powerful letter. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
As we celebrate the Christmas and holiday season, we often pause to consider our many blessings. Hillsdale College thanks you for loyalty as it celebrates 175 years of blessings. Now, since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of Liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive Primus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses, or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. You know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. Now, this independence allows the college to focus on promoting its core principles, learning, character, faith, and freedom without government interference. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the country. Merry Christmas from Hillsdale College, and to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Man, oh man, Shevitz. I don't know how we're going to get everything in today. I really don't. Now, do we have a caller who's available, an irregular American? Let's take one. Todd in Arizona, go. It's an honor. Hey, I wanted to say the one word that should attach to every Democrat who is going to vote for this is the word shame. Mm-hmm. Shame for all the unjust, unfair trials. We look back in history and say, didn't someone say something should have been done? That's what we're living in right now. The word is shame for all of them who vote for this. You're right. I have other words, but I can't use them on the air, of course. Thank you, my friend. I shall return. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. I'm Mark Levin. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. I won't be here tomorrow night. I'll be at a wonderful event with Turning Point USA. And I look forward to that very much. I will be back on Friday. Excuse me, Thursday. These days all come together for me. Thursday. There's Eric Swalwell on TV again, Mr. Producer. Which side of his body will he be talking out of tonight? Does it matter? It all sounds the same. They have a a, a new argument. They're such liars. But they all say the same thing. That they... They couldn't wait, you know, for these four witnesses now that Schumer want, like Bolton and so forth, and McVeigh and uh, Mulvaney. But now that it goes to the Senate, the Chief Justice is the is the overlord there, and he can order them to be there. He is, after all, the Chief Justice, and they would have to comply. That's not how it works. Separation of powers. The Chief Justice doesn't sus- decide. The courts decide. In the context of civil litigation, Chief Justice is one judge. 
He doesn't have the authority to make a decision about separation of powers during the course of an impeachment trial. These people are, they're not only morons, they're liars. They're liars. Mitch McConnell is, uh, is pounding away on Schumer. Schumer looks like the uh, raincoat guy, does he not, Mr. Producer? On the corner during the rain? Hey, want cigarettes? He does, I'm sorry, that's what he looks like. Mitch McConnell on the floor of the United States Senate today. Cut six, go. We don't create impeachments over here, Mr. President. We judge them. The House chose this road. It's their duty to investigate. It's their duty to meet the very high bar for undoing a national election. As Speaker Pelosi herself once said, it is the House's obligation to, quote, build an ironclad case to act. That's Speaker Pelosi. It's the House's obligation to build an ironclad case to act, end quote. If they fail, they fail. It's not the Senate's job to leap into the breach and search desperately for ways to get the guilty. That would hardly be impartial justice. That is a brilliant point. I know, it's painful. What can I say? That is a brilliant point. More McConnell. Cut seven. Go. All signs seem to suggest that later this week, House Democrats are finally going to do what many of them have been foreshadowing for three years now and impeach President Trump. It appears that the most rushed, least thorough, and most unfair impeachment inquiry in modern history. Now, it's not modern history. It's all of American history. I can't find another one, whether federal judges or prior presidents. It is the most outrageous ever. Go ahead. After just 12 weeks, and that a slapdash work product will be dumped on us over here in the Senate. I'll have much more to say to our colleagues and to the American people if and when the House does move ahead. But as we speak today, House Democrats still have the opportunity to do the right thing for the country and avoid setting this toxic new precedent. The House can turn back from the cliff and not deploy this constitutional remedy of last resort to deliver a predetermined partisan outcome. Yeah, I mean, it does a little good today, but history is going to judge these people and their actions, as well as the media, extremely harshly. But in the meantime, they are doing untold damage to our constitutional system. They're even talking, as I keep pointing out, about successive impeachments. Successive impeachments. They're even talking about needing to stop the president from being reelected. Because he will violate the Constitution in another term. So now, it's like their view, Mr. Producer, on post-birth abortions. We've got to have abortions after birth. In this way, they're talking, we have to abort this presidency before, during, and after elections. It's sick stuff, but there you go. Speaking of sick stuff, speaking of women's underwear, here's Chuck Schumer on the floor today. Cut eight, go. 
Why is the leader, why is the president so afraid of having these witness come, witnesses come testify? Your question we better pose to Adam Schiff, Jerry Nadler, and Nancy Pelosi. They had complete 100% control of this process in the House. And they didn't call these witnesses. Some of them they didn't even subpoena because they didn't want the court battle. And they didn't want to wait. They wanted to do this now. Because they want to influence the election going forward. And because, as my friend down the street said, they want to influence the makeup of the Supreme Court should one of the justices die or resign. So they're not hurry to get this done because, of course, we can't allow an impeached president to successfully nominate people to the Supreme Court. And I think he's on to something. That's part of the reason for the rush. Go ahead. What are they afraid the witnesses would say? I'd like to hear Leader How McConnell. come on your list? Hey, tough guy. Hey, cornrow. Hey, tough guy. How come on your list of four you don't include the so-called whistleblower? What's that all about? How come on your list of four you don't include Hunter Biden? What's that all about? You complete fraud and jackass humor. You always have been. All the years I've been on radio on WABC in New York. What is it now? 15, 16 years, Mr. Producer? Sundays included. This jerk would never come on my show. Knows who I am. Well aware. Won't come on the show. Mr. Tough Guy. Mr. Schiff, tough guy, won't come on the show. Nadler, tough guy, won't come on the show. And I'd be perfectly civil and polite. What are you afraid of, Chuck? Just like you said, what are you afraid of, Chuck? Four witnesses I want. Well, why aren't you asking for the so-called whistleblower and Hunter Biden? Because you're a fraud. And it won't end there, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, did you hear what Bolton said? Now we need more witnesses and more witnesses. So they want two bites at the apple. Two bites at the apple. Go ahead. Come to the floor and give specific reasons why. He gave specific reasons, you idiot. And by the way, the majority in the Senate doesn't answer to you. The majority in the House acts like dictators and the minority in the Senate acts like dictators. They assume they're in control, no matter what. No matter what, clown. And why is this Eric Swalwell getting all this attention? This backbencher nobody who got less than 1% support decides he's going to run for president of the United States? On what basis? He's a moron. But he's all over TV. I want to remind you, I want to remind you what Maxine Waters said December 17, 1998 during the impeachment of Bill Jefferson, B.J. Clinton. Cut 12, go. They are driven by hatred. They hate Bill and Hillary Clinton so much they will stop at nothing to bring him down. Oh, but they got another thought coming. Oof. Meanwhile, her husband worked for the Clinton administration. He was appointed the head muckety-muck for the United States in Bermuda, I believe. Something like that. You know, that's a job I would take, Mr. Producer. Wouldn't you love that job? I am the top American foreign policy guy in Bermuda. 
You can wear short pants all day. You can wear T-shirts. Nobody's going to bother you. Nobody cares about Bermuda. It's a wonderful place to vacation. I was there once. I could live there. I liked it so much. But anyway, what are the foreign policy issues with Bermuda, Mr. Uh, Producer? I don't think there are any. Man, I should have positioned myself for that job. You think they'd confirm me in the United States Senate, Mr. Producer? I think they would. They'd say, get him the hell out of here. Send him to Bermuda. They think it's like, you know, Gitmo. Send him to Bermuda, get him out. But I could broadcast from there, you know, like a pirate broadcaster. All right, I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Wow. This season, Omaha Steaks is sharing an amazing limited time offer with you, my listeners. And there's still time to place your order for the holidays, but time is running out, as you know. Go to omahasteaks.com, enter code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, in the search bar to order the favorite gift package. The gift all your friends and family will love for only $69.99. Order now and you'll get... Four, six-ounce bacon-wrapped filet mignons, the most tender steak in the world. Four savory premium pork chops. Four Obama, Obama. Four Omaha Steaks burgers. Four perfectly brown potatoes au gratin. Four made-from-scratch caramel apple tartlets. An Omaha Steaks signature seasoning packet. Plus, for you, a free six-piece cutlery set and cutting board. All this delicious food, plus the free cutlery set you'll enjoy for years to come for only $69.99. Omaha Steaks is a fifth-generation family-owned company with over 100 years of expertise in delivering perfectly aged beef hand-cut by master butchers in the heartland of America. Again, order right now, and you can get the favorite gift package plus the free six-piece cutlery set and cutting board only $69.99. Just go to omahasteaks.com, type in Levin, L-E-V-I-N, in the search bar. Folks, I wouldn't wait anymore. You're going to miss out. If you want to take advantage of this offer and get your gift before the holidays are over, that's order the favorite gift package today. Omahasteaks.com, code Levin. By the way, I don't, I don't believe Obama makes steaks, does he, Mr. Producer? I wouldn't eat him anyway, would you? No, I don't think I would. We have uh, Gerald Nadler. Jerry! Jerry! Jerry, your chocolate milk's ready. Jerry, what are you doing down there with the donuts? Back in December 17, 1998. Clinton impeachment. Cut 13. Go. Because he knew quite properly that an impeachment of a president is an undoing of a national election. And one of the reasons we all feel so angry about what they are doing is that they are ripping from us. They are ripping asunder our votes. They are telling us that our votes don't count and that the election must be set aside. They're telling us the, the, uh, we're ripping asunder the votes here. We're ri- ripping the votes asunder. Ripping the votes asunder. 
Well, what about today? That's different. We want to rip the votes asunder today. They're Republicans. We're ripping the votes asunder. More Nadler. Cut 14. Go. Impeaching a president when you have not got a broad consensus of the American people, a broad agreement of almost everybody that this fellow has got There was a very broad consensus in the House of Representatives. It was heavily bipartisan. Clinton had committed felonies. I heard one reporter on a cable channel say it was about sex. It was about felonies. You don't degrade what somebody has done in a courtroom to somebody else and to a judge and say, oh, it's just about sex. Just about sex. No. It was about felonies. Eleven of them. Hello? Eleven of them. Specific felonies in the federal criminal code. Felonies. They've got nothing here. Zero. Zero. Back to Jerry. Is it Jerry Lewis or Jerry Nadler? Hello. Hello. Go ahead. Clear and present danger to our liberty. Ah, shut up, you idiot. Back then, uh, I have to admit, he was a member emeritus of Fatties United, Mr. Producer. We wanted to give him an award, but he would never show up at our events. We have these wonderful events, these banquets. We have uh, all kinds of a smorgasbord going on there, all kinds of meats and fowl and fish. Desserts you can't even imagine. None of this sugar-free, fat-free stuff. We load it up. And there we invited Jerry Nadler, who was built like Alaska. And the guy wouldn't come. And I wanted to give him the Jerry Nadler FU Emeritus Award, the Jerry Nadler Fatties United Award, but he wouldn't come. But I still give him a a big Mark Levin F.U. shout-out. I'll be right back. Mark Levin, tough as hell. That's why I like Mark Levin. And I'm not sure a lot of people like him. He's tough as hell. But I like him. I love him. Call in now. 877-381-3811. Well, you know, my friends, for the past three years, really longer, I've been pounding the airwaves about the attempted coup, and now coup, perpetrated against our president. This is a coup. I've been calling it a silent coup. For the other broadcasters who use that phrase, go ahead and show us the audio or the video when you first used it. I know when I first used it, and I know why. And that's exactly what's been taking place. And the exact same thing in a different manner is being done in Israel. A coup against Benjamin Netanyahu, who I believe was Israel, is Israel's greatest prime minister, he and Menachem Begin. The red-hot hatred that spews from the left here, and sadly not unique to our great republic, is now the leftists in Israel have targeted their leader. But I'll bet you haven't heard the whole story which I just exposed on Levin TV with my special guest, Arthur Ferguson, former federal prosecutor. It's an incredible story. And we have it up on my social sites, don't we, Mr. Producer? It's out in front of the paywall. I hope you'll take a good look at it. And I hope you'll share it with friends and family. I know you haven't heard the whole story. 
Together, Arthur Ferguson and I uncovered and dug into this story and this politically driven campaign to oust the Prime Minister of Israel. Many of the same elements are involved. This group called J Street, which is a reprehensible group filled with reprobates and self-hating Jews. I'm just telling you the truth. Right, Harry? Harry! You keep wanting to know who Harry is. One day I'm going to tell you. Harry. Now, because this issue is important to me, as are so many, I want to personally invite you to watch it by going to levintv.com, L-E-V-I-N-T-V.com, and signing up for a free 30-day trial. Watch the shows. Quickly see how we bring you content and perspective found nowhere else on TV and expose the left, whichever side of the ocean they are rearing their heads. And if you use code LEVIN, you'll get $10 off your annual plan. That's Levin TV, promo code LEVIN. Lots of LEVINs there. Just for you. And so, ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow is the vote. TV's going to be very excited. They hope to get their ratings up. They hope to get their ratings up. But Doug Collins, who's turned out to be a superstar, a congressman from Georgia, such a superstar that the governor of Georgia fears his, his rise and fears his potential competition. So he picks a rhino woman who raised a lot of money for Mitt Romney and makes her a senator. This idiot, Kemp, in Georgia. But here's Doug Collins at a hearing, the Rules Committee. See, they have to have a rule that comes out of the Rules Committee. And one of the members of the Rules Committee is a former federal judge. And I say former federal judge because he was impeached. He was impeached. You have a former federal judge who was impeached by the Senate and convicted impeached by the House, convicted by the Senate, and removed. Who is now an elected congressman, sitting on the Rules Committee, voting on rules for the unconstitutional impeachment of our president, Alcee Hastings. Very nice man if you meet him. But he is what he is. He's a leftist, and he was impeached. Anyway, here's Doug Collins at the hearing on the rules today on impeachment. Cut three, go. You know, it's interesting that I hear a lot today, and I've heard already from Mr. Raskin and from the, from the chairman as well, discussion of the founders. And it's interesting, we, we cherry-pick the founders, and that's okay. That's what, you know, partisans do. When you're in a partisan impeachment, you cherry-pick the founders. If you like this partisan work, you that one. If you like the other partisan. But the one that's not mentioned is the very thing that we're here for. And that was found, I believe it was in uh, Federalist, uh, I think it was 65. It was, it was Hamilton. When he said this, he said the founders warned, warned against a vague open-ended charge because it could be applied in a partisan fashion by the majority of the House of Representatives against an op- opposition president. Alexander Hamilton called partisan impeachment regulated by more of the comparative strength of parties than the real demonstration of innocence or guilt, the greatest danger. And additionally, the founders explicitly excluded the term maladministration from the impeachment clause because they did not want the subject pres- presidents to the whims of Congress, their words. James Madison said, so vague a term will be the equivalent to a tenure during the, ple- during the pleasure of the Senate. And I would say it would be a tenure to the pleasure of this House. And by the way, this is why you don't play ball with what the House did. I don't care what witness you want to hear from. 
This is why Schumer's pushing for witnesses. Because he knows they didn't make the case to the American people in the House, folks. The USA Today poll today has Trump beating every single Democrat who's running for the nomination in their party for president, head-to-head, nationwide. He has strength and growing strength in the battleground states. Democrats' support for impeachment dropped from 90% of Democrats to 77% of Democrats. Now, that's still absurd, but that's a double-digit decline. There's a backlash going on. There is a tediousness to this. There's a tediousness to this after three years where we're told he's broken campaign finance laws, but he hasn't. Where he colluded with Russia, but he didn't. That there were sealed indictments against him, but there aren't. That the phone call with Ukraine was a quid pro quo, it was bribery, it was this, but it wasn't. Over and over and over again, Chicken Little and the Democrat Party. Dressed up as Saul Linsky. More Doug Collins. Cut four. Go. And I agree with him on that point that this is about impeachment. Uh, what I disagree is it's not about abuse of power. It's not everything else. And it would come a lot better from the majority if they have not had a long history, a written record. This is something that you love to see in the law because it's a written record of motive. You've seen it since the day that he was elected. You've seen it in this whole process working out. You saw it last year when my chairman ran for the job because he would be the best for impeachment. What was hanging out last year for impeachment? What became a, Demo- a Mueller report that didn't give them everything they wanted. And then we came into a call. This is this is a pattern. And look, you, I, I've said this to, to my chairman, who I respect. You've got the votes. You just voted. You got the votes. You can go explain it to the American people. Talk about, talk about afflicting an election. This is what, what we're looking at. But there are a few things here, though, that is interesting. As I said earlier on, time and clock are terrible masters. And I've heard it so many times from the, from the chairman of this committee, the chairman of my committee and others, we've got to do this because of the 2020 election. Well, put a candidate up that's worth voting for. How about that? Instead of going after a president who you're having trouble beating because of the things that have happened in our country with unemployment, with the economy going good and everything else. That's what political uh, primaries are for. Not this. But they don't have a good candidate. They have a bunch of kooks and a man who can't spell his name. Running for the nomination. Tom Cole is a putative Republican. Uh, He's very much the gadfly. Goes against conservatives repeatedly, but not today. Even he is very disturbed at what he's saying. Again, from the Rules Committee hearing today, cut five, go. Though we may be moving forward with a vote, I certainly do not believe the majority's proven its case or convinced the American people that the weeks of wasted time was worth it. And personally, I believe the articles themselves are unwarranted. The majority is seeking to remove the president over something that didn't happen, the alleged quid pro quo with the president of Ukraine. Never mind that the foreign aid went to the Ukraine as it was supposed to, and never mind that no investigations were required uh, for the Ukraine to get the aid, and never mind that the two participants in the famous conversation President Trump and President Zelensky said nothing inappropriate happened. According to the majority, however, a quid pro quo that never existed is an appropriate basis for removing the president from office. And yet, even though the majority has not proven its case, 
And even though there's no basis for impeachment, they're still moving forward today. What I cannot discern is a legitimate reason why. Why the majority is moving forward when the process is so partisan, why they are moving forward when the American people are not with them, why they are moving forward when they haven't proven their case, and why they are moving forward when there is no basis for impeachment. Why? Why put the country through all this? Because they thought and think it will help them in the 2020 election. And if it doesn't, they figure, let's burn down the institution if we can't control all this. Folks, they don't support the Constitution. Listen to them in the past. The, 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 the framers were racist, white supremacists, slaveholders, that the nation began in 1619 in slavery, and there's slavery in our DNA. If you really believe that, you must hate the country. Or that capitalism should be replaced with centralized government-run socialism. No, but capitalism is about freedom. Free markets, voluntary transactions. If you don't have capitalism, you can't have freedom. They're inextricably linked. Well, you know, they don't particularly like you, the citizenry, so we're going to have open borders, and more noble people are going to come into this country. More noble people are going to come into this country. 14 states, including now New Jersey, have said they're going to get driver's licenses. And many of them get Social Security, or excuse me, or food stamps, or other welfare programs. They get free education. Sure, why not? The way you beat the citizenry, the current citizenry, is to change it. Now that's what they're doing. And the overwhelming majority who come here and their, their progeny will vote for Democrats. How do we know? Because that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. If you don't like laws, you nullify them. So we have sanctuary cities. We have open borders. If you don't like laws, you just nullify them. If you want new laws, you just make them up, like Obama did. But what they cannot tolerate and will not tolerate is a businessman who comes into the Oval Office and shakes things up and doesn't play their game, doesn't talk like them, talks like the American people, has a flawed life like everybody else does. But the difference between Trump and Pelosi, the difference between Trump and Schiff and Nadler, the difference between Trump and virtually every one of these Democrats running for president is he loves his country. And he loves the people of the country. He's not interested in putting them in the groups based on one issue or another. He loves the country. Tell me, does Adam Schiff sound like he loves the country? Does Maxine Waters sound like she loves the country? Does Chuck Schumer sound like he loves the country? No, they don't. Did I say that? Yes, I did. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. In the next hour, near the top of the hour, we're going to go over the so-called 31 Democrats who are in Trump districts, give you their names and their districts. The vast majority of them have already announced that they will be voting for impeachment. You need to understand that they are always going to 
fall in line behind Pelosi and the most radical elements within their party. They were always going to do that. So they've already lied to you folks who voted for them in their districts, and you've done grave harm to the country. Now you need to fix it. Those of us who don't live in these districts, we can't fix it. We can talk about it. We can donate to the uh, to the Republicans, but you need to fix it if you live in these districts. So I want you to know where they are with precision when we come back. What lies ahead for our economy and mortgages in 2020? Well, forecasters expect the economy to stall through relatively smooth, excuse me, to sail through relatively smooth orders in 2020, despite it being an election year. And that's why they don't expect much movement in mortgage rates. Inflation should remain mild. Trade tensions should ease and mortgage rates are expected to remain around the same low levels through 2020 as they spent the last half of 2019. So if a new home purchase or mortgage refinance is on your mind, I know just the people who will earnestly help you. The salary-based, not commission-based mortgage consultants at American Financing. These people are in it for you. No pressure, no obligation, no upfront fees. Just custom home loans that meet your goals, including free pre-qualification. In other words, they're honest. They're honest. They're not trying to rip you off. And they're currently saving customers up to $1,000 a month, sometimes more. Why not see what they can do for you? No strings attached. It only takes 10 minutes to get started. Give them a call. They're there right now. 888-900-1828. That's 888-900-1828. Or go to AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS, 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. All right, Mr. Producer, let's have a caller, please. Go. KSFO, our great affiliate, Dan in California. How are you, sir? Good. Hi, hi Mark. Uh, thank you for everything you do. Uh, several times in the last uh, several months, you've asked a question about the FISA court, and you've asked... Why hasn't the FISA court done anything on it on its own initiative about uh, about the deceit in the yes. filings? And today you talked about the landmark uh, the landmark uh, filings. Uh, I have a suggestion. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that the court was lied to, but what's the basis for us knowing that the court was deceived? What's the basis for it? Yes. I'm, I'm suggesting... I mean, the basis is overwhelming. There's 500 pages to begin with. And before that, it was one story after another that was leaked to the media. But my question is, why, why is it that we assume that the court wasn't part of the... No, of the, the court's not part of a conspiracy. Had any of the courts? Have we had any, have we had any district courts this so far? All right, let me try my court? question for you. What's your evidence that the court is part of a conspiracy? What's my evidence that, that any of the district courts have been part of the resistance thus far? What's my evidence that NASA isn't involved in the conspiracy? You say you want to prove a negative. I can throw anything out there. Well, What's your evidence for it? There's no evidence for anything. The answer is the answer is that none of the district courts have done anything in resisting. Well, uh, all the district courts aren't involved. No, but... What's the, the, the evidence, I'll, I'll go back to your question. The evidence is that they sat there for two Now, the hours. fact is straightforward. Let's not, let's not go into the shadows. I don't like the shadows. The evidence is straightforward. These courts failed to do their job. 
they've now been humiliated. They've been humiliated for a long time, and this judge has to act. And so she's being celebrated today, but there's nothing to celebrate. This should have been done two and a half years ago. Now, you take from that that she's in a conspiracy. You have no evidence for that whatsoever. I don't take from that that she's in a conspiracy. I take from that that this system needs to be eliminated if we cannot rely on judges to do their job, and apparently we can't. Now, life went on before the FISA courts, and life will go on after. We need to find something, in my view, to replace them, because the judges have been utterly uh, asleep at the wheel. The problem is the system. There is no conspiracy. The conspiracy, if there is one, and there was one, is among the uh, top level of the FBI, but it didn't include the judges. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I meant to give a hat tip to Legal Insurrection, a great website there by our buddy Bill. Thank them for all the great work they do. Right Scoop, great work they do. Blaze, magnificent work. Daily Wire. Here I am going down the road, going to screw up. All these wonderful sites out there. Bongino's new site. No, not that one. If you want to know what the liberals think, you go to that site now. I don't really care what the liberals think. We see it day in and day out. Day in and day out. But there's other things going on in Capitol Hill that I want to make you aware of, ladies and gentlemen. And nobody better than my man Chip Roy from Texas. He was Ted Cruz's chief of staff. He's solid as a rock. And he's noticing things happening on Capitol Hill, and they are happening without much attention. And we're going to get to these 31 Democrats in a minute, but I want you to hear what Chip had to say today. Go ahead. I keep hearing that this phrase, this bill provides. I keep hearing my colleagues saying this, but this bill doesn't provide anything. The American people provide. This bill borrows. And it borrows at a time when we can't afford to borrow more. Our nation is $23 trillion in debt, now racking up more than $100 million of debt per hour. We haven't figured it all out yet, but it appears this bill spends $50 billion more than 2019 spending levels. But don't worry, everybody will go back home and they'll campaign on a balanced budget amendment, which has no prayer of passage. This bill is filled with massive policy changes that we should debate and vote on individually. It has a bailout for big insurance cloaked as tax relief. It embraces the very partial Obamacare repeal that Republicans have argued prop up Obamacare, yet now embrace. The bill changes tobacco age nationwide turning federalism on its head with nary a whimper from Republicans who like to talk about the 10th Amendment in speeches back home. The bill extends the big giveaway to huge corporations like Boeing in the form of XM for seven years. The bill funds bureaucrats who wish to target your Second Amendment rights. It funds abortion through Obamacare plans. The biggest problem is we haven't read the bill. Days like today, everyone declares bipartisanship. But in this version of bipartisanship, it is the bipartisan smell of Christmas jet fumes and everyone's desire to get home, fueling the worst kind of bipartisanship, the kind that says to heck with it, keep spending money we don't have and leave it to our kids and grandkids to clean up. 
No one has read the bill. It's a massive, unreadable 2,313-page bill filled with government-expanded goodies and spending, and it was dropped on us yesterday afternoon at 4.30 p.m. My staff got their first look at 4.30. The bill is a blatant violation of the House's 72-hour rule, a pretty weak rule requiring we have at least 72 hours to review legislation. Everyone back home is saying, are you kidding me? In this case, 2,300 pages. 75 years ago this week, American forces were under siege from 200,000 German soldiers, over 1,000 panzers, as Hitler mounted a counteroffensive in the middle of the freezing cold winter at Christmas. Our boys no doubt wanted to get home, yet this Congress surrenders. It surrenders to the swamp, mortgaging the future, the very future those men fought for. The president last spring about a massive omnibus said, I will never sign another bill like this again. I'm not going to do it again. Nobody read it. It's only hours old. Some people don't even know what's in it. It's $1.3 trillion, the second largest ever. Mr. President, I look forward to your veto. And I think he should. But it's my understanding they now have a veto-proof majority in both houses. That's how many Republicans have joined the Democrats. I know, I'm the one host that gets involved in this stuff. I'm the one host that wrote a book called Plunder and Deceit. I'm the one host who's concerned about the spending. Because one day it's going to cut somebody's throat. Others have said, well, we always hear about this and nothing happens. Well, these are people who don't understand history or economics. Of course, it takes time for things to happen. It's a massive economy. The problem is, how do you pull back? Because it will happen. It will happen. And it has happened historically when you look at other countries. How do you think Hitler came to power? And economies collapse, governments take over. Governments collapse when economies collapse. And liberty is the first thing to go. I'm telling you, they're spending crazy. And they're not just spending crazy. They're making deals. Do you know by this time next year, or thereabouts, federal workers will have 12 weeks of paid family leave. You aware of this, Mr. Producer? 12 weeks. Has this been debated anywhere? No. It's something the Democrats demanded. 12 weeks. Weeks, three months, paid leave on you. So you'll not only be paying for taking care of your own kids, you'll be paying for somebody else to take care of their kids. And it's not just kids, a sick family member, so forth. I mean, how did we get along as Americans before all this stuff? Perfectly well. Perfectly well. And yet these things are happening right now. And they should concern you enormously. Because I don't know how we get back. This is a massive trillion dollar omnibus bill. And I'm told it has veto proof majorities. You see you get more votes voting for stuff than voting against stuff. Pretty incredible. But nobody cares. I don't even think everybody out here cares as I speak about this. Okay, big deal. Move on. Big deal. 
There's another thing that's happening that is undermining our country. You'll notice that TSA is no longer going to accept most of your driver's licenses. That you're going to have to bring birth certificates or new driver's licenses that are put out by states in order to get clearances. Have you seen that, Mr. Producer? You know one of the reasons they're doing that? Because these states are now handing out driver's license like, uh, like lollipops. So New Jersey becomes the 14th state to pass driver's licenses for undocumented immigrants. Oh, it's so clever. Undocumented. But they'll be documented now because they're going to get licenses. New Jersey passed a bill letting immigrants who cannot prove they're in the country legally to get driver's license. And this is incredible to me how these states are conducting these, these, these blue states. The Democrat-led Assembly and Senate passed the measure Monday. Democrat Governor Phil Murphy has said he supports the legislation as well. National Conference of State Legislatures says 13 states in the District of Columbia permit immigrants without legal status to obtain driver's licenses. A New Jersey think tank estimates nearly 500,000 residents without documentation. Oh, come on. Illegal aliens are of driving age in New Jersey. So New Jersey's going down the crapper like these other states. Taxes through the roof. Property taxes, income taxes, all kinds of taxes, quality of life, sinking. Hardworking men and women who like to vote for Democrats, apparently, are going to see more and more taxes diverted to illegal aliens who aren't supposed to be here in the first place. Because this is the Democrat Party base going forward. Immigrants and illegal immigrants. Particularly the latter, who have children and they have children and then They're all citizens, and they have a swell time. That's pretty scary, I think. But it's happening. 14 states to pass driver's licenses. Uh, Have passed driver's licenses, and now New Jersey. More to come. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Well, CNS News... One of the great news sites lists the 20 richest counties in America, Mr. Producer, based on the household median income in 2018, the newest data we have. Nine of the 20 richest counties in the United States are suburbs of Washington, D.C. In fact, two counties in the northern Virginia suburbs of Washington are richer than the two California counties that constitute Silicon Valley. Want to hear which ones? The richest county in America is Loudoun County, Virginia. I live in this county. Maybe I should move out so it ceases to be the richest county in America, Mr. Producer. But there are no assembly lines here that I'm aware of. There's no manufacturing sites that I'm aware of. There are massive service facilities and government facilities that mostly service the feds. And, of course, it has been turned into a blue county. Falls Church City, Virginia, number two. By the way, the median income in Loudoun County is over 140000 The median income, Mr. Producer. The median income in Falls Church City, Virginia, is 137500 Number three is Santa Clara County, California. 
Median income is much lower. It's 125,009. Number four, Los Alamos County, New Mexico. Heavy-duty government, labs and so forth. About 125,000. Marin County, suburb of San Fran. Santa Mayo County, same thing. Number seven, Fairfax County, Virginia. Number eight, Arlington County, Virginia. Now let's stop there. Out of the top eight, four of them are in Virginia. And those four are very blue. Number nine is Douglas County, Colorado. Number 10 is Somerset County, New Jersey. Number 11 is Howard County, Maryland, a suburb of Washington. Number 12 is Williamson County, Tennessee. Number 13 is Nassau County, New York. Number 14 is Morris County, New Jersey. Number 15, Hunterdon County, New Jersey. So a lot of people who work in New York City who are living in New Jersey. Number 16, San Francisco County, California. Number 17, Stafford County, Virginia. Number 18, Montgomery County, Maryland. These are suburbs of Washington. Number 19, Calvert County, Maryland. And number 20, Prince William County, Virginia. So nine of the top 20 are outside of Washington, D.C. And the two top, and by far they're the two top, Loudoun County, Virginia, and Falls Church City, Virginia, the two top are in the suburbs of D.C. So the government is thriving. It's a spending machine. It's a borrowing machine. You heard Chip Roy's speech. And it used to be you had oil cities, you had motor cities, you had these cities that were built around manufacturing or large services and so forth. And now the most powerful city is Washington, D.C., because it votes power to itself. It votes money for itself. It borrows money for itself. Not the city per se, but the federal government that resides there. And it is these people and their motivations and their personal desires that are arrayed against you in the other parts of the country. And it is these counties and the people, most of them, in these counties that vote Democrat who want Trump out. They're very self-interested, and yet they take care of themselves. I just said, family leave for federal workers. It's in the bill for 12 weeks. And all kinds of things. The reason why the Democrats from all parts of the country, when they come to Washington, protect the government is because the government bureaucracy effectively belongs to the Democrat Party. Just as the media and the Democrat Party belong to each other. It's part of that iron triangle, part of that cabal that I talk about. Now, Having excited you with that, let me go to these 31 members that we talked about. Let's stop calling them moderate Democrats. Let's call them liars, because that's what they are. Jefferson Van Drew, New Jersey 2nd. That's South Jersey, Vineland, New Jersey, other parts of New Jersey that were my second home. We used to drive in there and through there all the time to get to Atlantic City and Ventnor and Margate and so forth. Very nice areas. Most of it, not all of it. 
He's going to switch to the Republican Party. We have Tom O'Halloran, Arizona first. He's a fraud. We have Lucy McBeth, or is it McBath? Georgia sixth. She's a fraud. We have Lauren Underwood, Illinois 14th, fraud. We have Sherry Butos, Illinois 17, liar. We have Abby Finkenauer, Iowa first, liar. We have Dave Lobsack, and he is Iowa second, liar. We have Cindy Axney. Is it Acne? No, it's Axney. Iowa third. I don't know what the hell happened to Iowa last election. Jared Golden, Maine second. Golden just announced he's voting for one of the articles of impeachment, but not the other. I guess he thinks he's Solomon. Hardly. Alyssa Slotkin, liar, Michigan 8th. Haley Stevens, Michigan 11. Angie Craig, Minnesota 2nd. You can see what they did here, the Democrats in these districts. They have a lot of young women who they put up in these districts in, hoping, in hopes of winning these suburbs and winning over the suburban women. Colin Peterson, Minnesota 7th. He has said he will not vote for impeachment. Susie Lee, Nevada 3rd. Chris Pappas, New Hampshire 1st. These are people who have all lied to you. Andy Kim, New Jersey 3rd. Josh Gottheimer. Josh, don't come up to me in an event again and tell me you're a moderate, okay? Save it for somebody else. New Jersey 5th. Took over my buddy Scott Garrett's seat in a district where my uh, mother-in-law lives. It's really uh, very troubling to me. Maybe I'll get involved in that race, Josh. We have Mikey Sherrill, New Jersey 11th. We have... How the hell do you pronounce that? X-O-C-H-I-T-L. Torres, small. What is it? Xochitl, Torres, small. New Mexico, second. Liar. Max Rose, New York, 11th. Fraud. Sean Patrick Maloney, I mean Maloney, New York, 18th. Fraud. What is it? Oh, Antonio Delgado, New York 19, fraud. Anthony Brindisi. I don't name them, folks. I'm just reading them. New York 22nd, liar. Kendra Horn, Oklahoma 5th, liar. Matt Cartwright, Pennsylvania 8th, liar. Connor Lamb, Pennsylvania 17th, fraud. Joe Cunningham, South Carolina 1st. Fraud. Ben McAdams, Utah 4th. Liar. Elaine Luria, Virginia 2nd. Liar. Abigail Spanberger. I don't give a damn if she worked at the CIA or not. Fraud. And Ron Kin, Wisconsin 3rd. Liar. You live in those districts? Please, defeat them. You've heard of Lady Liberty? Well... This is Mr. Liberty, The Mark Levin Show. Call him now at 877-381-3811. Hillsdale College. As we celebrate the Christmas and holiday season, we often pause to consider our many blessings. 
Hillsdale College thanks you for your loyalty as it celebrates 175 years of blessings. Since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of liberty to you through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive in Primus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. Now, you know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of the state or federal largesse, no government money. And this independence allows the college to focus on promoting its core principles, learning, character, faith, and freedom without government interference. And no time in our nation's history has there been a greater need for the kind of classical liberal arts education that Hillsdale offers on its campus and nationwide. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the country. Merry Christmas from Hillsdale College. Do yourselves a favor. Visit their site. It is magnificent. All kinds of important things. Levin for Hillsdale.com. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levin for Hillsdale.com. Mr. Producer, give me a caller, please. Here we go. KJJR, Montana, Marlene, how are you? Hello, hello, hello. Well, let's try Esther in New York, the great WABC. How are you? Thank God. Um, I wanted to comment. First of all, I want to publicly thank Mitch McConnell for calling the this impeachment farce for what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he did a fantastic job with that. Um, I thought his comments were excellent. Yeah, I thought, I thought they were excellent, too. Um, one of the biggest drawbacks, besides the destruction of our constitutional system, this impeachment farce has done, we have, there's been a lot of important stories in the news, and they haven't been given attention. Not, and, I, and don't misunderstand me. I'm not condemning you or, or criticizing yeah, ma'am, you. Ma'am, I'm not defensive about it. I've mentioned this myself. I mean, you, I mean, you have the House Intelligence Committee involved in this stuff. North Korea is firing missiles left and right. Uh, China is on the move. Russia's on the move. Uh, you've got the Islamo-Nazis in Tehran on the move. That committee should be handling these things. So you're, you're singing to the choir here. Well, the, there were I'm not the news. Few, you understand that, right? I don't have a newsroom. Uh, there were egg attacks a few weeks ago in Brooklyn. One of those eggs, uh, one of those egg attacks was to my daughter's next-door neighbor. She's married with seven kids. All right, ma'am. I'm sorry about your daughter's next-door neighbor. Thank you for your call. I mean, was that the point of the call? There was an egg attack on her daughter's next-door neighbor? I'm sorry about that. Hopefully your local news coverage will do that. We'll cover that. Do we have another caller, Mr. Producer? My call screen is stuck. On the Mark Levin app, Pat in Texas. How are you? I'm fine. How are you, Mark? It was a great honor. Thank you. Well, thank you. Did anybody throw eggs at your friend's neighbor's house? They did not. All right. Just (laughs) want to make sure we don't have an epidemic. They did, and they didn't. They did. Um, you never know. You could fry them up and make a uh, take a bagel and have a bagel egg sandwich. There you go. Sounds good. 
Not really. I had a question for you since you're my only constitutional legal expert that I that I know of. Yes. And uh, <laughs> it may be a little off topic. Thanks, thanks for the praise. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> Uh, you mentioned A.C. Hastings earlier in the show. A.C. Hastings. Committee. Yes. Well, my understanding is he was impeached as a federal judge some 20 yes. years ago or so and was removed by the Senate. I said that. That's right. And but he got when off. I read the con- when he, when when he I read was the con- in, Hold on now. Let's get the, all the facts out. When he was indicted, he was indicted for taking a bribe, and he was found innocent. Because it was a wonderful jury, I'm sure. But the Senate was unconvinced, and they removed him. Go ahead. Correct. Well, my question has to do with, I'm looking at the Constitution, Section 1, I believe, or Article 1, I believe it's Section 3, where it's talking about the Senate being the, the sole jury of the, of, of the impeachment proceedings. And it says that, that uh, you know, the two-thirds majority, I think, or three-fourths majority, whatever. Two-thirds. Uh, and it says that, that the that the penalty or the judgment would render nothing more than removal from office, which he was removed, right? And the other one says disqualification to hold and enjoy any office of honor, trust, or profit under the United States. Mm-hmm. My question is, why is he in the House of Representatives? Your point is he should be expelled. <laughs> he should be disqualified. I don't even know how he could be. Well, the- people voted for him, but why shouldn't he be expelled? I'm sorry? I'm saying he should be expelled. He's sitting on the Rules Committee passing judgment on an innocent man, the President of the United States. Absolutely. I'm agreeing with you. And I think the Constitution's on Why? Because he's a Democrat. You know, you can uh, you can be a pervert, be a Democrat president. You can be uh, all kinds of stuff going on out there. That is correct. You can be a pervert and be, uh, you know, a major uh, anchor on the Today Show. Or you could have been a pervert and have a uh, major show on CBS. Or you could have been a pervert and been part of the uh, the group of circle libs there at the uh, Scarborough show. You know, anything's possible. Well, I guess I can't. I don't qualify for any of those jobs then. No, me neither. I'm not a Democrat. Thank you for your call, my friend. It's not, this, it's not to say there aren't good Democrats out there. Just be nice if a few of them ran for office. What's the, uh, how are they listening to me, Rich? On the Mark Levin app, another Patrick in Nevada. Patrick, how are you? Mark, my national hero. How are you, man? Thank you, sir. Listen, I wanted to talk about two comparisons. One, that show you did the other day with Ferguson was absolutely stunning. Arthur Ferguson, where he laid out what was going on against Netanyahu, which is sickening. Right. I've watched it twice and took copious notes because, I mean, it was just stunning of what mm-hmm. he brought up and how he laid it out. And so I was drawing the comparison between Netanyahu and the impeachment, what's going on in Israel, and what they're doing to Trump. I mean, you said a month or two ago that there were going to be comparisons about the same, and they're all coming to fruition. I mean, it is amazing what's going on here in this country and amazing what's going on in Israel. It's the left. The left hates their own countries. The left hates that, liberty. The left has a tyrannical uh, mindset. And then they dress it up as righteousness. I've seen it. You put lipstick on a pig and it's still a pig. Put lipstick on a liberal, it's still a liberal. <laughs> I agree. Listen, I won't keep you. 
uh, I, I probably won't. Now, what part of Nevada are you in? Northern Nevada. I wouldn't be in southern Nevada. I'm I'm out in the country in Gardnerville, which is just it's a it's a town that looks like Northern California 35 years ago. Mm-hmm. People are looking I mean, for places now. I've never seen anything like this. Have you? No, I'm not, and and I don't want any more to come here because I mean this is a quaint town. You can find anything in five minutes. A little chilly. But then mm-hmm. you're chilly now too, back in Virginia. Chilly, it's, it's 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 frigid with this rain and all the rest of it. Yeah, like if yeah. we're up to me, I move to Florida permanently. That's what we do. That's what that's what my tribe does. Wow, that's, I used to live in Naples. Well, then, well, that's a beautiful place. Dynamite, dynamite. Also very I, expensive. I, well, we were there for forty-five years and still there. Yeah. I've got property down there. But anyway, listen, have a have a wonderful Merry Christmas. Be safe. Be warm. And God bless you, man. And you too, buddy. Thank you. I have to admit, Las Vegas has the best restaurants. I mean, people in New York are, are spitting at me now. Now, listen to me. I'm talking about building for building. You have to admit that, right, Rich? I know you're a New Yorker. I mean, it's one after another after another. There are great restaurants all over the country. And I'm not putting down any city in that regard. Camden. But in Las Vegas, it's like right there in your face. And look, I like to play blackjack. I haven't played blackjack in years because, you know, I just haven't. But I want to go back to Las Vegas. I like Las Vegas. I'm not going to live there. I just like going there. All right. Let's see here. Mark on WPHD in Philadelphia, am I talking to myself? Hey, Mark, nice to talk to you. How you doing tonight? All right, buddy. You sound like a Philadelphian. Uh, I am. Actually, Cheltenham. If, believe really? Me. Whereabouts? What what street? Uh, actually, I work there. I'm, I'm with the police. So I, I, oh. I drive by your alma mater. I drive by your alma mater all the time. That's so you're, hold on now. You're a police officer in Cheltenham? I am. You're not going to get in trouble with this phone call now, are you? Nah, as long as nobody else is listening, like, I think I'll be good. You, you know, I was on the school board in Cheltenham. Uh, you probably would not recognize it right now. And let me tell you something. They hated my guts. The people love me, but the school board hated my guts. You know, every time I go into that school, I look at that wall of honor, and I always ask them, hey, where's Mark Levin? And, and what do they an tell answer. you? They laugh. They, they, they never have an answer for me. Everybody's on right, there but, but me. Uh-huh. But I enjoy asking the question every time I go in there. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, no problem. So, listen, I'll get to my point because I know it's getting late. Yeah. My my fear with this whole impeachment thing is the way the Democrats play long ball, they know that 2020 is, is a loser for them. They know that President Trump's getting reelected. I think they're looking at 24 when it's going to be an open seat. And I think that they, along with the swamp, the whole reason for this impeachment thing is to put the message out there to any potential new Donald Trumps. Don't you dare try this, because this is what's waiting for you. That's interesting. And you may be on to something there. Because Donald Trump is a force of nature. But how many Donald Trumps are there? And my concern is, you know, the way the Republicans are, they need to be playing long ball like the Democrats are. And right now, they need to be looking for the next Donald Trump for 24. Because if they Mm -hmm. don't, who's going to step up and do this? Who's going to take this? You know, we, after the next four years, who, who's going to be the next Donald Trump? And you know what's interesting? 
the Republicans never give to the Democrats what the Democrats have done to the Republicans. And this is why they lose. This is why the Democrats get away with this stuff. And that's why I say the next Democrat president must be immediately impeached. Use the Nancy Pelosi uh, project. Make it abundantly clear why they're doing it. And then the Democrats can sue for peace because otherwise our country is going to be changed forever. Yeah, absolutely. We, we have to play hardball. It's the country. It's our, our grandchildren are, are at stake. We have to play mm-hmm. hardball. And the, Demo- the Republicans, they got to take off the gloves like President Trump has. You know, he laces up his gloves every morning, and, and the Republicans have to do the same thing. By the way, I used to live at 8203 Cedar Road. 8203 Cedar Road in Elkins Park. Elkins Park, Cedar? Yep. Yep. You ever I, drive I, by yeah, there? Yeah, I, I used to work on the east side years ago, and now I work yeah. on the west side. But, uh, yeah, I used to drive by that road all the time, too. West side's a little tougher, brother. All right. Um, I, a little bit. I want to thank you for your call and your service, and God bless you, man. Isn't it fun to hear from people, I mean, in your own lives, from the old neighborhood, police officer, like that in my case? It is. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Deborah's home was stolen. I don't mean thieves stole stuff. I mean scammers literally stole her home. The FBI calls home title theft one of the fastest growing white collar crimes. And this story is why you need home title lock. Deborah says criminals found the title to her home online and filed fraudulent documents claiming they owned it. It gets worse. She was evicted from her house and 85000 grand in equity gone, even though she still had to pay the mortgage. Nobody believes you can get your home stolen this easily. Now, folks, this is why you need to get home title lock, because no insurance or bank protects your home from title theft. Now, first things first, go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim and don't know it. Then you can sign up to help protect the legal title to your home so you don't end up like Deborah. And here's how you get started. I got you 60 risk-free days of protection. So go to HomeTitleLock.com, HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Rick, Chicago, Illinois, on the Mark Living app. Go! Hey, Mark, thanks for taking the call. Thank you for fighting for us in our country. Uh, Thank you. The 12-week paid leave. Um, I've been a Trump supporter since day one, and this is the first thing I can really think of that he's upset me with. And I think it's just ridiculous, especially for federal employees only. And i got to believe his daughter's behind this. I think Pelosi's behind this. Really? I think this was a Pelosi thing to shore up their uh, their government base. Uh, the Trumps are proposing it for the whole country, and I don't know exactly what they're proposing. And they're not the only ones. You have Republicans in the Senate and the House who are proposing it, too. Some form of family leave paid. I reject it completely. Completely. Parents, him, yeah, go ahead. Well, I heard him roll it out, and he mentioned the military. And I thought, that's great. Give the military... 12 weeks uh, paid. Well, that's different. You know, men and women suit up to defend our country and really uh, to make careers out of uh, defending us when they could be perhaps making money somewhere else or building careers somewhere else. I don't see most of the people in this country doing this and on all volunteer military. I see a very small percentage. 
and we ought to do our best to support them. You're right. But everybody, no, I don't support it, period. Yeah. Where the uh, hell are we getting this money from? Where's this coming from? Then we got these idiots out there with a a wealth tax. So you own something and you're going to pay a tax on it every single year? You know what that means? One day you're going to have to lose it. I mean, I'm tired of productive people having to subsidize people on the dole. You're not even allowed to say that anymore. Yes, there are people who sit on their asses and don't work or don't want to work or they're in jobs that don't make money and they don't want to move to other jobs. Why is that my responsibility? It's not. Mark, we love the fight you're, you're fighting for. God bless you. All right, Rick, thank you. So I'm not on the air tomorrow, which is good. I can get this asthma a little bit under control. I tell you everything. Well, almost everything. Raj, Vienna, Virginia, the great WMAL. Go. Thank you, Mark. Yes, sir. For all that you're doing. Your focus has been so good all along. I wanted to suggest one thing. Yes, Removing sir. both the chairman of these committees for cause. Well, you can't remove them if you don't have a majority. No. You can't remove them if you don't have a majority. True. You don't have a majority, but each committee, they have to vote on that. Why are they allowing... I mean, the security clearance should be pulled. Well, you can't... You can't. They don't have to have that because they're elected, unlike people who are appointed. They do need a security clearance before they can see all the top secret. I, I agree with you. They must obviously get one. I mean, they have... Their staffers have... They played ructions with uh, our whole security apparatus, let alone into the intelligence. Rush. To remove him from the Intelligence Committee. To remove I him wish. From the, uh, I wish we could. Judicious. Well, what we have to do is get a majority in the House again and kick their asses. That's the bottom line. It's not going to happen any other way. Raj, I want to thank you, my friend. I want to thank all of you, my magnificent audience. The smartest audience of all audiences. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel, and all you folks who protect us. And even though I won't be here tomorrow, I think Dan Bongino's here, my buddy. I will see you Thursday and Friday, so stick with us. God bless. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.